Welcome to the Liberal Europe podcast, European Liberal Forum project. I'm your host, Ricard Silvestre. Today I'll be talking with Daniel Kadek. Daniel is the executive director of the European Liberal Forum, and he joins me to talk about the podcast for this season, but also what ELF has in store for this year in reaching out to the liberal community inside and outside the European Union, but also events, publications, and much more. And before I bring Daniel on, I would like to say that I hope this podcast finds you well, finds you healthy, finds you safe, but also motivated and dedicated to fight together to overcome this crisis that we have in Europe and the entire world right now. We liberals are optimists, we believe in ourselves, we believe in community, and we believe on solving problems together at the same time that we continue to promote liberal values and ideas. So with that said, please stay healthy, please stay safe, and now I bring you Daniel Kadek. I'm here with Daniel Kadek. Daniel, thank you so much for coming back to the podcast. Always a pleasure. Glad to be back. Oh, I asked Daniel to join me to introduce you to the second season of the Liberal Europe podcast. And yes, I know it sounds a little bit like those TV shows that we have on digital platforms, but... Basically, what we want to do, introduce you to what's going to be our podcast for 2020, for the second year. And we moved to core topics. We decided that we're going to have some topics that will have mini series of podcasts, like three, four podcasts with conversations with different people. And the topics are European integration and enlargement, monetary union, liberal ideology, trade, tech, defense environment and climate. So, Daniel, tell me why ELF is particularly interested in this core topics to have a conversation for our listeners to know more and be more active. Well, honestly speaking, we are very egoistic here. These <laughs> are just simply the topics that we feel are the most important ones. Um, for the next years to go, especially also when you look at the priorities of the Commission, there is a very big overlap. And I think we're in a decisive position right now. Where do we want to go with Europe? This is the big question. And especially when we talk about uh, integration and enlargement, we had a big struggle with the Western Balkans. Where, mm -hmm. How do we go about that? We have actually um, conferences and workshops planned exactly on that. But all those topics that you mentioned also move in um, a bigger picture. And that is that we want to a little bit define the agenda for liberals for the next 10 years. We want to find a fixed star um, that we can move in that direction to. Because I think, and that is a discussion that I am having quite often when I try to explain Europe, where do we want to go with Europe and how should liberals position themselves? And there is the little egoism that I talked about coming in. We would like to talk with liberal scholars, with people who have great ideas, how we can go about as liberals. And this is why we have decided to have these core topics for the podcast. Absolutely. And some of them are not only for the future, but even today, even in the present and the environment is one of them tech, particularly with algorithms and with artificial intelligence, trade, 
and again with uh, partners like uh, United States and adversaries, even if they're partners in economic sense like China, liberal ideology, of course, always important. And this, in this particular point, liberal ideology, so people that may be listening to us and say, hey, hey, there are topics like, for example, the rule of law that are very important. Of course, this will be transversal. So these are the kind of things that, and you will agree with me, when we talk about all these things, we always have this background of how do we want Europe to function exactly like you said. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's true. That's true. Um, indeed, talking about values, I think is more important than ever. Because if you look around Europe, the lines, lines seem to be blurring. And it is ever hard to distinguish if it's a conservative, if it's a liberal, if it's a green, even a social democrat. The only time when it's really clear is when we go to the fringes. Mm -hmm. And um, what we have to do as liberals have to really tell people what we stand for. Yes. Um, because we are indeed the only ones who take rule of law seriously. We are not talking about having exceptions or exemptions from certain principles. We are not saying that we need, um, when we talk about the digital service tax, this is a great thing, some say, but not. we need to cut our businesses some slack. So where is then the fairness in the system? Um, when we talk a lot about a lot of other issues, where we unfortunately still have in Europe this, let's call it national egoism that comes into play, um, especially in terms of tech, in terms of industry. And there we liberals really need to stand out and say, hey, we, want, we are people of principle and these are the principles that we uphold. And moreover, if we do not make the stand right now and tell people what we stand for, the fringes will get ever stronger. And that is something we have seen in Spain, we have seen in Germany, um, in Austria and all over the place. If liberals, if Democrats do not stand up, we have a problem. If they don't say what they want, we have a problem. And especially if they don't send a clear message to the people, then we also have a problem. So therefore, we need to talk about what liberals stand for so we can go out there and promote our ideas. Excellent point. Still on the podcast, the other thing that we are going to add from now on is documentation. So when we have the conversations, there'll be links or even PDF files that we uh, put on the description of the podcast so that people listen to the conversation, they can dive a little more into the subject, learn more and then have more tools to be active. The other thing that we also do, and this is more a technical uh, aspect, we also are on Spotify now. Spotify is becoming the Google of podcasts. So if you like Spotify to find all your podcasts, please find us there. Now, changing a little bit gears, but still on Europe and on liberalism and uh, liberal um, activism, we had a tremendous result for the Renew uh, Europe on European Parliament, mostly due to also an extraordinary result for the ALDE party where we grow up as a family, we grew up inside the European Parliament, uh, also has an effect downstream to all the liberal machinery where, of course, the European Liberal Forum is included. So uh, please tell me, how did you saw that? How did you react when you saw the election results for the European Parliament last year? Um, that was, of course, 
a big day of joy and a big day of sadness at the same time. Um, I was very surprised, um, thrilled when I saw the election results uh, for the lip dams in the UK. Mm. And this was gave me a sting at the same time because I knew that the good friends that will come to Brussels will leave us um, pretty soon. Um, this was a bit painful and especially if you look how great our friends from Lib Dems performed in the European Parliament, not having them anymore is a tremendous loss. But apart from that, we became the third largest political group in the European Parliament. Even without our friends from En Marche, the other parties are still the third largest force in the European Parliament, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. And we have, of course, now that we are so much bigger, so much more leverage. But then the old, old uh, liberal disease kicks in um, that um, we have so many opinions. We are so passionate fighters for our values and beliefs. And we are all individualists. Um, that it is very hard to keep a family or a, a parliamentary group like that in line and check. I think that has worked out quite well so far, surprisingly well. And I'm very thankful to Dacian Cholos and also especially Malik Asmani, the deputy leader of the group, to having done such a great job. But this also gives us as ELF a completely different position because on the one hand, we have a lot more resources, but we also have a lot more ears that we can talk into. Um, a lot more people that would like to have an opinion on how to shape liberal AI policy, how liberal climate policy can look like. So um, liberal voices have a lot more ears to be heard from. Um, and this is a fantastic thing for us. It's a fantastic thing um, that we have so many great friends and that also our friends from the European Parliament come now proactively in, to us and say, hey, um, we saw that you have done something for, within manifesto process. We have seen you have had publications. Can you tell us more? So, And this goes very well um, in the direction of where we want to go. And that is we want to be the number one political foundation and think tank in Brussels, and I think the election results that we have had are the way that will boost us exactly to that spot. Perfect. And we will talk about how will ELF become the first political foundation in Brussels. But before that, how did ELF then grow in parallel with this growth inside the European Parliament to exactly attend all those years, all those uh, eyes, all those voices that may get interested and may start approaching the European Liberal Forum or the other way around, the European Liberal Forum going to people and say, hey, we think you have something to add. We can be a vehicle for that. So how did ELF will deal with this challenge? Well, first of all, um, we have a lot more people uh, in our team. Um, we have decided to grow um, inside of the Secretariat we have now units working on, on different things from finances over project to over communication to policy and research. Um, and this division of labor, by the way, old classic liberal principle, 
um, really will help us do the work that that we do. We want to go more out there. We want to be of more service for our members, but therefore we all also needed to grow inside, and that is what we did. We moved the office. Another important thing is we are now literally a stone's throw away from the European Parliament that helps tremendously with communication. But we also want to work on, let's say, digestibility of products. We want mm -hmm. to have products more accessible. We want to be more visual, more audiovisual, or audiovisual, and that's also why we have those con uh, podcasts that we're very happy about. And we want to expand on that. We are also talking not only about the podcast, but also a video cast. We're talking about how we can make publications more attractive and more digestible for people. And last but not least, um, we are now looking with our by now 46 members, um, how we can work closer together to strengthen the network to um, be more agile. And one part of being agile is that we um, help steering the network a little bit better, meaning um, we want to connect our members better to the ones who work on climate, the ones who work on migration, um, so they can jointly work on things and we in Brussels can then sell that. And that is something that we already did. We have a publication called Fear of the Future, where we address all the naysayers and say that and the world will be such a better place, uh, such a worse place. No, we don't believe that. We are optimists as liberals. We show how the world can be a better place, where all these negative biases come from, and what we can do about that. Yes, and uh, all this that uh, Daniel just mentioned, if you go to liberalforum.eu, you can see all these uh, developments and all these groups that are working in the publications also that you can access to. There was one thing that you mentioned that I had here on my list to talk to you about because I saw your eyes shine last time we were in the General Assembly and you were very, and rightfully so, you were very happy about the growth of members inside the European Liberal Forum. You almost, yes. you are, you almost exploded <laughs> with joy. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about that growth. How is that coming about? Well, um, last year we grew from 40 to 46 members. Um, now we have again three potential members knocking on our door. And um, this is just fantastic. So that means that we as a liberal family are attractive. We go out more, we talk to people more. And we tell them, hey, you might be a good fit for us. That's, that's one thing. But what happens more often is some, that somebody calls us, sends us an email, or just come, meets us at a conference and says, hey, this is, something, this is something nice that you do. Maybe we can talk about how we can collaborate in the future. And if um, those organizations really um, are liberal, if they... Um, uh, subscribe to the Stuttgart Declaration if they are willing to be part of the liberal family we're happy to have them but there's more to that um, I think what we've achieved over the last year also with the new members by the way is that we work closer together that we have the projects really as joint projects between ELF and the member organizations not only ELF and one member organization but ELF and 
a set of member organizations, two, three, working together, sharing ideas, sharing um, even, yeah, sometimes even the burden of organizing events and programs. And I think we as the European Liberal Forum can be super proud of the creativity of our members. When I look through the list of what is upcoming, um, indeed, I cannot help but smile because there are so many great things to come. I was talking about, uh, we were talking about uh, today, uh, about uh, the EU MENA Freedom Project, where we will bring together politicians from the MENA region and Europe to talk about common values, but also common obstacles like migration um, and, and other, uh, or populism. Um, we have fantastic projects, like I mentioned already, the um, liberal white book where we talk about the future of Europe. So there are a lot of exciting things that are coming our way and we cannot wait to implement them. The other thing that is really interesting and for people that may be listening to us for the first time or don't have a, a more extensive knowledge of the European Liberal Forum, it's most of these member organizations are not from the European Union. They are actually groups that are coming from the periphery which is also something that it's really cool. Absolutely. And um, this is actually where we are growing the strongest, um, especially now in the South Caucasus. We have new members. We have in the Western Balkans, um, we are looking into new membership. And I think a political foundation like ours is a fantastic vehicle um, to grow the, the European liberal family beyond the borders of the European Union. Yes, the majority of our members is still in the EU, but we also have the circle of friends around us. We are working on having members in Ukraine and in Moldova, and we are talking with our Albanian friends, with, with North Macedonia, we are now talking again. And this gives me hope in two aspects. Number one, Europe the EU is still something that people think is worth striving for. And I think that is something that we, especially in the Western countries, should remember every once in a while and not take what we have for granted, but rather fight that we can keep it, that we can expand it, that we can deepen it, but not only for, for integration's own sake, but because it makes sense that we have a strong and federal Europe in the future. So I think that this is indeed something that can make us happy, that those countries, that those organizations from those countries see something in the European Union, but also that those organizations see something in the liberal ideas, that they subscribe to that. And it's not like in Germany or, or Spain or, or, other, or, or Austria, where it's relatively easy to be a liberal, despite all the crap that we have to take. But being a liberal, a true liberal, that stands for individual freedom, for market economy, and respect towards people who are different than you, this is especially hard in countries that the more you go to the periphery of the European Union and beyond that. So... Being someone who um, advocates for same-sex marriage, for instance, in Macedonia or Albania, you have to have the utmost respect for those liberal fighters. Somebody who fights for the rule of law in Azerbaijan, 
you have to have the utmost respect for that person. And if those persons want to be associated with the European liberal idea, we should welcome them with open arms and give them all the support that we can. I couldn't agree more. Now, let's talk about ELF becoming the number one political foundation in Brussels. Um, tell us or tell our listeners what are the main um, projects, events, goals you just mentioned, for example, the white, uh, white book. Tell us a little bit, open our appetite for have people coming to us and listening to us and getting involved. Okay, first of all, if you want to have want to have a boring conference, don't come to us. <laughs> um, we have the internal hashtag in uh, in Elf kill the panel discussion. We want to we want to get in dialogue with you because we think what we believe that only with dialogue, with talking to each other, being exposed to different ideas, we can actually be better and make our own ideas even better. So if you want to have a boring event, don't come to us. If you want to have something new, something exciting, some ideas that are challenging, um, come to us. Uh, Daniel, I'm sorry. Let me interrupt you. It, it's not liberal to exclude boring people. Come on now. You should know no, better. They, they are all they are all wholeheartedly invited to come yes. to us. But if they want something boring, that might be not the right place. You are invited. But if you like boring stuff, you might not enjoy it. But um, indeed, um, we want to have things that expand your mind a bit. We want to talk about AI, um, about the future of, of human rights in, in the digital age. We are talking about the future of digitalization. We're talking about the future of social welfare system, all things that will affect your life. We are talking about, um, indeed, migration. Internal migration in Europe, one of the key factors that also led to, to, to Brexit. So what does in, in internal migration actually mean? We're talking about how to make Europe more attractive again for young people. So they don't have to take it for granted, but they indeed have something to fight for. But as I said, you expand your mind if you are exposed to ideas that might not necessarily correspond with your own. So that's why we also want to have debates. We want to have fights, not physical, but intellectually on the stage. We want to expose ourselves to others who are not of the same opinion that we are, but we also want to expose those people to our ideas and see who has the better one. I have my personal opinion, who has the better ideas, But let's test it. Let's see how the audience react to that, how we react to that. That's why we, um, amongst others, have a new debate format that goes in the direction of an Oxford Union debate, which I find personally very exciting. Then we, then we also have a TED Talk style new format that is a bit of a mix you have to imagine between a TED Talk and a fishbowl. That means on the one hand, you hear a very interesting talk. We We call it the big think, um, where you hear brilliant minds talking about ideas or concepts or th something that they experience. And, but then the audience is invited to step into the arena and join um, the, the speaker. And last but not least, we have our trusted good old Ralf Dantendorf Roundtable, where we talk about the future of Europe with experts 
and we try to give input into the European policy process. All that combined, packaged up in attractive formats, but also, as I said, we want to have it digestible. So you can be looking forward to a lot of new formats when it comes to videos, when it comes to um, infographics, but also in our social media podcast, uh, social media channels where you will see a lot of new information. Fantastic. All right. One last thing, and that is I'm going to add a link to the Stuttgart Declaration, another one for the Fear of the Future publication that uh, Elf produced, and it's a very good one, like uh, Daniel just mentioned. You want to give us a third one that people can uh, dive into and uh, have even more tools to, to be active? Oh, God. This is this is a very, very unfair question, Ricardo. Um, and I hope you know that, and I will never forgive you for this. Um, well, I'm defending because... all the boring people that are listening to the podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, well, th there are a couple of those. Um, we have a new um, policy paper on climate capture and storage um, from a market perspective. So especially in times of um, the Green New Deal, I think it's very interesting to read about what market instruments are there, why subsidies might not be the way to go forward, but actually finally creating level playing field for different energy forms. We have a new publication on digital education in the EU. We have something new on climate and migration. We have a new policy paper on how to regulate AI. And we have uh, something uh, that we call in German Flugscham, uh, Swedish Flugscham, which means being this, this, this shame for flying. We, we have all different kinds on the future of Europe, the Eastern Partnership, the Western Balkans, how we should position ourselves as liberals towards them. Um, but still, what my some of my favorite uh, personal favorites uh, is the it's it's a little bit older. It's the Atlas of Democratic Deficit. I think it's a very interesting read, um, but it's also um, our new economic models publication, um, where we talk about um, yeah. How could the future of the economy look like? Um, but yeah, that, that is an unfair question because I own I, I only um, try to public, publish things that we can stand behind. Everything that we publish, we stand behind. So it's basically like asking a parent, who, which of your children do you like best? Well, which you one might is have it? a personal. <laughs> you might have a personal opinion, but you would never say that publicly. <laughs> but if I had to choose, I think it would be fear of the future. Okay. Uh, I'll appeal to our listeners out as you totally override me as the host, because I said one and you gave me like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. <laughs> so, but hey, Daniel is the executive director of ELF. So therefore he's entitled to do whatever he wants to hear in our podcast. And Dan, I want to thank you uh, so much for coming. It's always a blast talking to you and to anyone else that wants to know more. Again, we have our site, liberalforum.eu. We are on the social networks. You can contact us. So please feel free to uh, join us at any time. And Daniel, please also feel free to be back at, uh, at our podcast. Also, whenever you oh. feel like you want to chide me for something else. 
Oh, you bet that I will be back, but I'm not uh, misusing my privilege here. I just like being on podcasts. I mean, <laughs> that that is my this is my moment of Zen in a day when I switch on a podcast that I like and listen to things that I find interesting from all different parts of of the liberal family, but also sometimes people that I don't agree with. And just for the listeners, I do not take any uh, editorial uh, control of this. Ricardo is his own man when he does this. So he's just playing a bad, bad joke. On <laughs> a really bad joke. That's, that's my mantra. All right. Again, Daniel, thank you so much. And to be continued. Absolutely. Thank you very much for this. The Liberal Europe podcast It's organized by the European Liberal Forum with the support of Movimento Liberal Social in Portugal. This podcast is co-founded by the European Parliament, and the European Parliament is not responsible for the contents of this podcast or any news that may be made of it. The views expressed on this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the European Parliament and or the European Liberal Forum. Liberal Forum.